Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. I am going to bring up an actual expert. I don't want to steal his thunder, but he has a very rich knowledge base and wisdom, and he wants to share with us today. Will you please welcome to the stage Dr. Hal? Good morning. morning. Look at that. I brought a couple of books along, and uh, I told Troy I would give him this one. Uh, I put them in the back. Uh, They're free, so um, you might want to... Here, Troy. You might want to... And then pass this one around, will you? Uh, And you can take them... If you don't need them, you might want to just take one for your mother-in-law. That's what I would do. (laughs) Did did you hear about the guy who was struggling with his mother-in-law? And for her birthday, he got her a gift. He got her a cemetery plot. (laughs) And, And then the next year, he didn't get her anything. And his wife came to him and said, how come you didn't get my mom a gift for her birthday this year? And he said, she didn't use what I gave her last year. <laughs> so get her a book for a gift, would you? Let's pray together. Father, you are a good God. And sometimes we doubt that. And... We try to remember that we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies like we sang about and that we've conquered things through you and by you and because of you. And I ask, Lord, that you would solidify this in our hearts. Help us to remember the goodness of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I really like what you said, Pastor Derek, about... uh, about God loving us and nothing can separate us from the love of God. And, and uh, if you have children and you love them, even if they're not all that lovable. Uh, and I, I mean, I've got kids and grandkids and I don't know about yours, but mine are not always all that lovable. But, but I love them not based on who they are, I love them because of who I am. And so, so God Almighty loves you, and you might think you're undeserving or you've made mistakes or you're stupid, but the truth is that God loves you not because of who you are, some mistake-free human being, but because of who he is. And, and so we just want to remember to thank God for loving us in spite of who we are. Because of who he is. Uh, today I'm going to talk about anxiety and worry. And anybody here ever get anxious? Yeah. So, uh, 
There's a verse in Psalm 108, give us aid against the enemy for human help is worthless. And oftentimes we're trying to fix our circumstances and we get real focused on our circumstances. They're difficult or we've got bills to pay or we've got problems, but we don't gain victory over manipulating our circumstances. We gain victory through God. Uh, with God, we'll gain the victory, and he'll trample down our enemies. Uh, difficult circumstances actually drain us. So maybe you're going through some difficulties. Now you're going back to work, and you have traffic, or, or uh, you have uh, family problems. You are working from home, and you got your kids climbing all over you while you're trying to work. Uh, money is short. Uh, you're depressed, and... You, of course, live in an environment where we struggle with the coronavirus. And we think about these things all the time. We're focused on them. Uh, the more you focus on, on those circumstances, the greater the problem becomes. So worry is a problem. Worry becomes a problem when it invades your life. It, it sort of grabs a hold of you and becomes bigger. I'm going to demonstrate that in a second. And it, it begins to, this worry, this obsession, this thinking about it, uh, grabs us and it becomes a bigger and bigger problem. It occupies more time, more space in our mind. And then the, con, the concerns seem to be exaggerated. But most of this is not that your circumstance became more difficult, it became our per- perception of it, the way we looked at it, how, how our view of it is. So uh, people suffer from anxiety disorders, and when you do, you might have trouble sleeping or stomach trouble, uh, you might have panic attacks or headaches. Uh, oftentimes, uh, people uh, end up trying to use drugs and alcohol I am a clinical psychologist, but I'm also a licensed drug and alcohol counselor. So I work with people who use and abuse drugs and alcohol. Um, And oftentimes they're trying to avoid the life problems or cope with them, cope with the depression, cope with the anxiety, and they're using drugs and alcohol to escape that. Uh, I I, um, run drug and alcohol treatment centers we uh, recently bought the Riverwood Inn in Otsego. Maybe some of you know that place. And we, uh, I, I bought Riverwood, and we're converting it to a drug and alcohol treatment center for 145 men. And we'll open for clients in January, early January. So I'm happy about that. Will we have any trouble filling it? No. No. We'll have trouble getting staff, but we won't have trouble filling it with clients. Let me talk about uh, what a worrier looks like. Um, Oh, one thing I could say is that when you get anxious, um, there's a tendency to avoid the thing that you're anxious about. So if you're afraid of driving then the cure for that is to not drive. If you're afraid of talking in public, then the cure for that is to don't get up in front of people and speak. Uh, so 
Oh, we often want to avoid the thing that causes us to be afraid. But, but that actually, that avoidance pattern actually makes things worse. So the other day, well, a month or two ago, I was arguing with a dandelion on my lawn. Like, get off my lawn. No, I'm going to stay right here. No, you don't belong here. Get off my lawn. You don't, you don't stay here. You get off. No, no, I'm just going to stay right here. I, I just promise I'll just stay right here. I don't want anything else. It's lying to me. That dandelion wants my whole lawn. <laughs> Anxiety is like that. Avoidance is like that. Just avoid this one thing one time. I'm never going to ask you to avoid anything ever again. It's lying to you. Pretty soon, you're not driving on the freeway. You're not driving at night. You're not driving across town. And so the avoidance is gripping you, and you try to avoid more and more and more. Anxiety is not the big problem. Avoidance to cure it is the problem. The warrior's checklist. When, when we have this worry going on in our hearts and minds, it begins begins to become more and more exaggerated. Consider the following little list here. The worrier assumes things are going to turn out badly. Things are going to get worse. Uh, and worry distracts us from the pleasures of this moment. You know, can you see the sunset? So beautiful, pink and and this rose-colored, and this orange is so beautiful. And the rays just kind of bouncing off the cloud. What do I care about stupid sunset? But rays bouncing off. I don't care about that. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Uh, because you're consumed with the worries for the future. People who worry a lot review unfavorable and negative scenarios, and they often focus on what could go wrong, what will go wrong, what has gone wrong. And they watch for even the smallest sign, almost like a paranoid person who has an existing theory, and then they collect all the data for that existing theory, and they discount all data that's contrary to their theory. And the worrier does that. And the worrier, as you know, uh, is filled with this mental anguish and is concerned with things that aren't right. They worry endlessly about what other people think. Uh, Derek told me today I needed a haircut. I worry about that. Uh, and, and they look, worried people look for what could go wrong. And again, think of your mother-in-law, because she's like this. Uh, and... And worriers are often inconsolable in their concern. And what that means is, hey, hon, that, the baby just spit up, and I'm sure that that's a sign that the baby has COVID. Oh, no. No, babies spit up. That's what they do. They're programmed from the factory to do that. They spit up. That doesn't mean anything. Oh, no. Does that worrier then say, oh, thank you, Hal, for pointing that out. I didn't look at it that way. You've really helped me. No, no, the worrier is inconsolable. You say something like that, their worry didn't go down one iota. And you know that person. You've tried arguing with them, and that does not work. Worriers often anticipate potential failure, potential rejection. And they're 
endlessly preoccupied with their health or safety or the health or safety of their children. We're fixed on the problem. We're consumed with it. That's all we see. We're focused on difficulties and setbacks. And and we end up looking at the potholes and the mud, and we don't enjoy the journey. Well, how do you get through that? How are we going to not worry so much? And one thing that we often say to each other is, don't worry about it. And that's easier said than done, isn't it? We often want these things for someone else. And um, I wish my mother-in-law was here. Uh, so this man goes to the dentist and he said, how much to pull a tooth? And the dentist said, $750, $750 just to pull one tooth. Are you kidding me? Wow. Is there any way, sir, you could do it for less? Yes. I could have my associate do it for $500. Wow. That's, that is a better price. I thank you for that. But is there any way, sir, you could do it for less? Yes, I could have my associate do it without any Novocaine or anesthesia of any type, and he could do it for $150. Wow, that that is a better... But is there any way, sir... And now he's ticked. Is there any way, sir, you could do it for less? The dentist is ticked. He says, yeah. I could have the receptionist in the waiting room do it without any Novocaine, no anesthesia, she could do it for $35. Oh, that's a great price. I would like to make an appointment for my wife. <laughs> we always want these good deals for someone else. We're not content to let God work on us. We want him to work on somebody else on our behalf. The Lord said to Moses in Numbers chapter 13, the Lord said to Moses, send some spies into the land and spy this thing out and get the leaders to do that. So Moses chose 12 leaders, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, including Joshua and Caleb. Uh, and 10 other leaders from the 10 other tribes. So all 12 went out, and they were gone about 40 days. And it's interesting to me that Moses didn't come up with this plan. God told Moses to send the spies out. They looked around for 40 days. See what the land is like, whether the people there are big or little, or they're strong or weak or few or many. Just check it out. And what kind of a land do they live in? Is the land good or bad? Like God doesn't know this? So it must be something to do with the people, not about what God needs to know. And they came back after their 40 days of looking around. And my point here is they're going to have very different attitudes about it and different perspectives on what they all saw. They all saw the same thing but they view it differently. The 10 spies said, 
We went into the land in which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, and here's the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. Well, what did they see? They all saw the same thing. They saw the land, the beautiful land, and they saw goats and cows and sheep and and people uh, and crops and grapes, and they brought back pomegranates and grapes and figs, and it, it was amazing the the size of the cluster of grapes that the Bible talks about. And some were negative, and some were positive in their view. Joshua and Caleb were positive in their view. And, and Caleb got up, and he silenced the people before Moses and said, hey, shut up for a second. What we should do is go into the land and take possession of it, and, and we certainly have the power to do that. The other folks were seeing giants in the land and saying, we're going to get our butts kicked. But Caleb was was not really looking on his own strength, but he was looking at what God could do to him and through him. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there of great size. First word, but. Don't you have friends like that with big butts? Uh, that, that whenever you say something positive, they're there to kill what you're saying by pointing out all the negatives. Why it won't work, how it's going to take so long, it's going to cost too much money, uh, you're going to... You're going to get gobbled up by this giant of great size. And we begin to believe them. Uh, it's interesting to me that in Matthew 5, 13, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, what good is it? We just throw it out and trample it underfoot and use it on your roads. Uh, so, so, so what good is salt if it loses its saltiness? You are the salt of the earth. Well, how do we lose our saltiness? Salt actually doesn't lose its saltiness. What happens to it is that it becomes contaminated with other soil and dirts and sand, and it gets diluted. You lose your saltiness because you got diluted with the impact of the people around you who are constantly negative, who, who fuel your worry who feel, fuel your concerns, and we end up losing our saltiness. Hey, we saw the Nephilim. Those are big dudes. Uh, and we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. This is interesting. Like, they know what the people in the land were thinking? No, they're guessing. They're guessing. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We often adapt this grasshopper mentality. We see ourselves as small. It's interesting to me that when David slew the giant, he never called that guy big. He never talked about Goliath's size. We do. Everybody else does. But David never mentioned that. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the living God. He didn't talk about his problem. He talked, the power, he talked about the power of God. 
Oftentimes we're focused on problems and we're not focused on what God can do with our problems. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Yeah, you got grasshopper mentality. Caleb and Joshua saw the land of milk and honey. They saw the bounty and the beauty of the land and what it could produce. When you have this milk and honey perspective, you look at the positive, you see the blessings of God, you see the power of God, you rehearse the goodness of God. It's the milk and honey perspective. But the 12 spies, two saw milk and honey, but the other 10 saw cow manure and bees. When you see cow manure and bees, you're really looking at the negative circumstances, the difficulties, and the problems of life. You have that worst-case scenario mentality going on in your life. What are the problems associated with cows? Well, cow crap or goat crap. Uh, And and instead of wearing rose-colored glasses, these 10 spies had poop-colored glasses. And and they were seeing all the difficulties and problems of everyday life. They were worried about it. They were anxious about it. Joshua and Caleb saw milk and honey. The other folks saw cow manure and bees. Now, this is a matter of perspective because they're all seeing the same thing. A negative perspective drives worry. It drives low self-esteem. It drives depression, anxiety, and anger. It's not just what's happening to you, it's how you view it. It's, it's your perception of it, your attitude about it. If you want to change the way you feel or the way you act, you have to change the way you think. If there was a ferocious dog on the other side of that door and I opened the door, it was going to bite. This is what I believe, that when I open the door, that dog's going to bite my face clean off. That's what I think and believe. If that's what I thought and believed, then how would I feel? Well, I might be anxious. I might be worried. I might be angry about it. What would you do? Well, I'd have Derek go deal with the dog, or I'd make a phone call, uh, because I think and believe that there's a ferocious dog on the other side of the door is going to bite my face clean off, and so I would be worried about it, I'd be anxious, I'd be upset, and I would deal with it in a certain way. I might avoid it. I might avoid going out the door. Then it turns out there is no dog on the other side of the door, and now my worry and anxiety and my actions perfectly fit what is not true. We've got a church loaded, and everybody else, and all all your mother-in-laws, they're loaded with actions and feelings based on things that are not true. So if you wanted to change how you feel, you would have to change how you think and believe. I would have to think about whatever is true. Right, virtuous, honorable, lovely, and of good report. Whatever is praiseworthy, I'd have to think about those things. Change the way you think. Is that an easy solution? No. No, it's not easy. It's complicated. Um, 
I had a friend of mine who said, hey, we're going to steal a spaceship and fly to the sun. I'm like, oh, man, you're going to burn up. And he's like, no, no, we're going to go at night. (laughs) Actually, it's more complicated than that. And, And the same with change the way you think. It's the right answer, but, you know, it's more complicated than that. I'm trying to be conscientious of the time. We want to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We don't want to fix our eyes on problems. I've learned in all things to be content This is what Paul is saying about his circumstances. Rather than uh, looking at the circumstances of life, he looked at the power of God. And when he would get his eyes off of circumstances, he could be content. But most of the people that we know are focused all the time on their circumstances. If they don't have much money, they're upset and worried. If their kids are acting out, then... They're worried and upset. If they don't have a good job, they're worried and upset. If traffic is slow, they're worried and upset. If their toast falls peanut butter side down, they're upset about that because they have their eyes totally fixed on circumstances, not on Christ. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Apart from God, apart from Christ, I can do nothing but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The parable of the seed and the sower, you know this. Um, The farmer went out, sowed some seeds. Some fell on the path. Uh, The birds came and ate it. Some fell on rocky ground. It sprang up quickly. Didn't have much for roots. Dried up quickly. Some fell among the thorns. And some fell on good soil and produced a crop. Uh, Some fell among the thorns. And when seed falls among the thorns, uh, it refers to someone who hears the word of God, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things spring up and choke out the word of God from among them. So when the seed is coming up, the thorns end up, Uh, keeping the crop from producing what it would have. And that's what happens with the Word of God that you're given all the time. You read in the Bible and you hear it. And yet the worries of this life are choking out the Word of God within you. Well, that sounds bad. How do I keep the Word of God from being choked out? Well, We have to find a way to deal with the worry, don't we? Worry chokes out the word of God. Psalm 107 is an interesting passage. Uh, It talks about some sailors that uh, saw the works of the Lord and his wonderful deeds in the deep. And then God spoke and there was a storm and... When they were out on this boat, they mounted up on the waves and then they crashed down. 
uh, and they reeled like drunken men. They weren't drunk. It's talking about they're on this ship being tossed to and fro in the tempest in the storm. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. And when they were at the end of their wits, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. This is what happens to us. You'll have a difficult circumstances in life, and then you just buy your way out of it. Or you just call in a favor, or you just try harder, or you use your strength, or you get a friend to help you. And we work our way out of our own trouble. But oftentimes, God seems to allow us to be in so much difficulty that we cannot buy our way out of it. We cannot work our way out of it. We don't have enough favors to call in. We don't have enough friends to help us. We we end up being at the end of our wit. And when they were at the end of their wit, then they called upon the name of the Lord, and he rescued them, and he saved them. So God will let you get to the end of your wit, and then he will step in and rescue you. So what's the secret here? Get to the end of your wit in a hurry. Uh, don't don't, put, don't procrastinate. Don't put this off. Just get to the end of yourself in a hurry. And you can do that here. You don't have to exhaust everything you have. I know, I know where I'm going to call. I'm not going to call a friend. I'm not going to phone a friend. I'm going to call on the name of the Lord. And when they did, he brought them out of their distress and he stilled the storm to a whisper. They were thankful for the unfailing love of God. This is what happens when you call upon the name of the Lord and he rescues you. And if you're like me, I'm like, man, you seemed a little slow on that one, God. Uh, but we, we have to be very careful about that. I'll get to that in just a second. A, a horse is a vain hope for deliverance. This is a favorite passage of mine. Despite all of its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him on whose hope is in his unfailing love. Uh, so, a horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all of its great strength, it cannot save. Is it okay if I get a horse? Sure, I don't care, get two of them. But it isn't the horse that saves you. Is it okay if I get a job? Sure, I don't care, get two of them. But it isn't your job that saves you. Can I put some money in the bank? Sure, put money in two banks. I don't care. But it isn't your money that saves you. It's calling on the name of the Lord. It's understanding that when you have difficult circumstances, the horse isn't going to rescue you. Your money isn't going to rescue you. Your job isn't going to rescue you. The Lord Almighty will rescue you. How do you increase your faith? You increase your faith by understanding and knowing better the object of your faith. And the object of your faith in Christianity is Christ Jesus. And if you wanted to have more faith, yeah, try harder to have more faith. No, it's not like that. Uh, Instead, you would have to know better the object of your faith. All that you can learn about Christ increases your faith in, in who he is. I'm skipping a couple here. I'm looking how to focus on the attributes of God. God is holy. God is omniscient, means that he knows everything. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere present. And he's omnipotent. He has all power. And God is love. So when I look at the goodness of God, these these attributes help me. 
So, and they're personal. Uh, God is holy. And what that means is he cannot make a mistake. He cannot be one off. He can't be late. Can't be five minutes late. He can't have slipped. It slipped his mind. He, he turned stupid for a second. That, that's not possible because God is holy. If you say, my circumstances prove that God's an idiot, there's, there's something wrong in your theology. You have to redo that thinking. That cannot be right. Your circumstances cannot make God not holy. That cannot happen. So you have to have another way of accounting for the difficulties, the terrible things that happened in your life, because God did not cease being holy. And as it pertains to you, God cannot be unholy. He cannot be wrong as it pertains to you. He can't sin against you. God is omniscient. That means he knows everything. And he knows everything as it pertains to you. He knows what's going to happen to you. He knows what you need. He's omnipresent. You can't slip outside of, of his covering. He's omnipotent. He has all power as it pertains to you. And also, God is love as it pertains to you. It's very personal. He loves you. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. What are you fixed on? So what we want to do is rehearse the truth. We want to examine who God is for me, that he's holy, he's omniscient, he's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, and he's a God of love. And I don't want that to to slip away. I want to fix my eyes on that. I rehearse the truth. And one of the verses I use is, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, from Philippians 4.13. And whatever is true, right, virtuous, honorable, and lovely, of good report, think on these things. And it's interesting to me that the Apostle Paul has to tell us that. Uh, The verse is 2,000 years old. He's like, you need to know this. What are you thinking about Think about whatever is true. And the problem for us is we don't think about what's true. We think about what's false, what could go wrong, what's going to go wrong. Worst case scenario, the stupid things that happened around me, how stupid people are. We, we think about those things endlessly rather than think about what's true, right? Virtuous, honorable. We think about what has no honor, what has no virtue. Why do bad things happen? We know that these bad things happen. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we felt a sentence of death. But these things happen that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So oftentimes, difficult circumstances in your life, though things that you're tempted to worry about are actually happening so that you will develop a godly character. These things happen that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And God works all things together for the good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And I have keen insight in what the good is. God works all things for the good. And if you lose your... If you get in a scooter crash in India and you lose your scooter, 
God works all things for the good, you get two new scooters, right? No, no, it isn't like that. Uh, God works out the good in your character to make you more devoted to him, to make you more compassionate, to make you more understanding, kind, patient. Uh, that's what's the works together for your good in your godly character. If God is for us, who can be against us? And greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I want you to remember this. Your worry is neutralized not by manipulating your circumstance. Your worry is not neutralized by not getting another horse. Uh, Your worry is not neutralized by not being able to avoid the things that make you anxious. Actually, your worry is neutralized by getting to the end of your wit, by fixing your eyes on Jesus, and by increasing the knowledge of the goodness of God. Let me pray for you. Father, we often are worried, often because we don't fix our eyes on you. We don't remember your goodness. We think that you're not holy, that you've made a mistake. And these things, Lord, are contrary to your word. They're contrary to your nature and your character. And for those things, Lord, we repent that we, we try harder so many times, Lord, to justify our mistakes rather than repent of them. We try to justify and rationalize our bad attitudes and our worries and our concerns and our despair uh, rather than repenting of not trusting you in all things. I ask, Lord, that you would take these words and heal our hearts, that you would Uh, mend our broken minds, our minds that are often fixed on circumstances and not fixed on you. Help us, Lord, to be focused entirely on you. And I pray, Lord, that you would grant us the ability to turn from our ways and to allow you to work powerfully in our lives and use our circumstances to further equip and form our character. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.